Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an all-new episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinax. Thank you so much, whether you're listening on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Apple, on iHeart, however you're taking in this show, we appreciate you joining us as we appreciate you listening to all of the podcasts on the GBB Podcast Network, starting five, core, four, three, and D, and the flagship uh, the one that I've been doing too damn long because I am a very elderly blogger at this stage, uh, Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Again, I am Joe Molinax, the site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues. I'm very proud of that, and I'm very proud of this gentleman who joins me. No guests this week. It's just going to be him and I uh, chopping it up, uh, as the young people say. Um, what are some other cool things, Parker Fleming, that I can say and ruin here on our on our podcast? Uh, I like chopping it up. That's a good one. That's a good um, one to ruin. Okay, so hold on. Wait a second. It's me and Parker Fleming chopping it up on an all-new episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. What's another one? I think vibing. We're vibing on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Vibing? Vibing, yeah. Like V-I-B-I-N-G? Yeah. Vibe. Okay, hold on. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Joe Molinax vibing here with my buddy Parker Fleming on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Okay, I think I've killed enough uh, young people. Thanks for for one podcast. But Parker, uh, my uh, my lameness aside, it's a busy week over at GBB. We've got lots of good stuff coming out like we normally do. Uh, not to pat myself on the back too hard, but, um, you know, our content is kicking into overdrive here now that the season is over. The Lakers have been crowned champions. And the draft is rapidly approaching. Yeah, I'm really enjoying all the content we're doing on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. We have the community mod draft that we just started. But we, um, even before the bubble came in, we, we did a really good deep dive on a lot of the prospects. Right. And I have to say that I even think that this one that we've done after the playoffs and after the bubble has been really good. And I, I also got to give a shout out to Bryce Hayes because – he gave a resource from NBA.com on like different super info. valuable. Yeah, because I'm gonna be completely honest. I did not do my homework on college basketball this year. And you can only use highlights and stats so much. Right. And it kind of helped me put together the advanced stats and the eye tests and kind of form an opinion of how that player can be going forward. And honestly, I, I will say I've uh, got a better understanding of this draft doing a, some community mock drafts within NBA Twitter and uh, this, of course, and reading up on some of my favorite draft guys, the uh, the Athletics, Sam Vecini, and the Ringers, Kevin O'Connor in particular. But Sam Vecini, friend of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Yeah, yeah he was. On, I forgot he was on the show like a couple months mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm enjoying it, Joe, for for real. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I like doing these, uh, not just the mock drafts, which we'll talk more about in the second segment, but I really enjoy doing the uh, the prospect profiles of players that I don't know, which is mm-hmm. a good thing because that's very often the ones that are left open in our Google spreadsheet for GVV. Um, but like, uh, you know, wh- whether it's Yam Madar, which I'm probably not saying his name properly, but, you know, o- oftentimes it's international prospects that people are kind of too timid to dive into. And I usually, whenever I sign up for these, uh, these prospect profiles, I put together a a couple of hours, you know, after my daughters and my wife are in bed. Um, I, I set aside some time that I can watch a little bit of film and do some research. The website you referenced, uh, 
Synergy was connected to the one that I did, uh, Paul Eboa. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Forgive me. From Cameroon, who plays in Italy now, uh, and he's draft eligible. That was my most recent profile. Synergy was linked with with his preview, and it had really good statistical breakdowns of his game. So I did a little bit of the eye test, and then, like you said, you have resources available to to break things down a little bit more in depth. And uh, you know, we we go pretty pretty deep uh, with all the different prospects. You know, if you if they haven't been covered by GBB, uh, they're probably not a realistic target for the Memphis Grizzlies one way or another heading into the draft. Uh, so our, our prospect profiles and our free agency profiles, which we'll talk more about next week or in two weeks, excuse me, uh, the next time GBB live records, uh, we will be finishing those up through the next couple of weeks here. And obviously lots of other good content over at GBB. And an example of that this week, obviously the bubble concluded on Sunday night. Again, we mentioned before LeBron, AD, the Lakers, their crown champions after dethroning Parker's beloved uh, Miami Heat. But one of the things that I took away from the bubble, aside from the remarkable success that it was, Parker, was the fact that Memphis had a lot that they could learn from. And I wrote about that this week for GBB, uh, my first feature in about a month. And it was good to get back into that style of writing. And it was also nice to be able to kind of look at other teams and the success they had, whether it was the Denver Nuggets, obviously the Miami Heat. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you could take away from the bubble, but with Miami and Denver in particular, Parker, I, I talked about the need to build from within, and it's not just building from within in terms of the draft, right? Because the Nuggets have so many players that contribute to them. Uh, Torrey Craig's the only exception who was an undrafted free agent, but so many of those guys have only played minutes for the Denver Nuggets. So building that camaraderie is important, which Memphis can obviously do, especially with Jaron, Ja, and Brandon Clark. But, you know, the Miami Heat culture, right? The Miami culture, you know, that was really put in, uh, in people's faces a lot yeah. over the time of the NBA Finals. And it made me think, Parker, and obviously the Heat culture, people buy into it very clearly. And I think Jimmy Butler has amplified it to his credit. Uh, it made me think, and I know you'll be able to relate to this because you were on those media calls too, especially during the bubble. You know, Taylor Jenkins talked about a standard a lot, the Grizzlies mm -hmm. standard. And that really resonated with me when I kept hearing everybody talk about the Heat culture because I think more than anything, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you know, Giannis in free agency in 2021, the ultra stars of this league are not coming to Memphis in free agency. They're just not. So the way that the Grizzlies are going to build success is similar to Denver and similar to Miami in that they need to build from within, within the draft, like Denver did. And then they also have to, you know, obviously Miami got the chance to sign and trade for Jimmy Butler. But, you know, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, you know, he was obviously an acquisition, but he's been in Miami for a while. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, towards the end of that final series, was a scorer off the bench for them when injuries happened. A Duncan Robinson. There are so many pieces that are Miami grown and Miami bred, at least when it comes to the NBA. And those guys buy into whatever Eric Spolstra and Adonis Haslam have built there over the last 15 plus years. I think that's got to be the path. That's one of my main takeaways from the bubble for the Grizzlies is, you know, the Miamis and the Denvers have a, a way of doing things that Memphis is much more likely to replicate than the Lakers model of success. Yeah, for sure. And I actually remember 
a couple months ago, I wanted to make that comparison with uh, Miami and Memphis in terms of teams that the Grizzlies should emulate. Right. And you shot down Miami because of it. It's Miami. It's obviously going to be a free agent destination. But, True. Um, but a big part of that is the Heat culture, and obviously Dwayne Wade was a big part of that, and he helped recruit Jimmy Butler. But, but again, like I like I said in my post, Parker. Sorry to cut you off. No, it's all good. But like I said in the post, Udonis Haslam is the guy that so often people point to and say that's the dude. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that—that's that guy. He's the godfather, and and he didn't play at all in the NBA Finals. I don't know that he played in the playoffs. So here's a guy who's obviously at the end of his career, um, and maybe he doesn't play for any other team in the NBA but Miami. And he is viewed so highly by that coaching staff, by those players. To me, that is an angle that is worthy of noting that there's this guy who has established something or been a part of establishing something that is that strong. And maybe it is connected to to Dwayne Wade. That would make sense. Obviously, Wade uh, was a part of when Haslam was a contributor to those great Heat teams uh, before LeBron and Chris Bosh and all that got there even. Um, you, you know, it, it really is something to kind of behold the way that they've built up that organization because Miami is going to be a free agency destination. I think that's fair. But again, in fairness to the Heat, they've drafted well. They've signed guys like Duncan Robinson, who are unique in terms of their elite skill sets. And, and they've gotten these guys to buy into the mentality of what it means to be a Heat player. I don't think the Lakers have that. The Lakers have the aura. The Lakers have the flash the ability you know they to me the lebron especially chose the lakers because of the history to an extent but he wanted to live in southern california he yeah. he had business thoughts in mind and his uh, career beyond basketball in his head when he made that decision miami is a little bit different at least in terms of the way the heat have been built yeah and i think that potential to build the standard that you talked about in your piece it's very possible. I mean, you've mentioned just in the Zoom calls and what Taylor Jenkins had said, but even seeing these players interact with each other in the locker room and the chemistry that they showed on the court, they played a very fun brand of basketball that was very likable, and it's going to be very appeasing to some of these players that want to come over and play with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. And you know what? Memphis may never be one of those A-plus destinations for guys like Giannis on the Kumpo or LeBron James or um, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant. But if they can probably go out and get a guy that's ultimately in the same realm as a Jimmy Butler because of the culture that Taylor Jenkins, Zachary Kleiman, John Morant, and Jaron Jackson Jr. are setting in Memphis, I think a big thing in that too is Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant are – Better recruiters, I assume. I I had to, I think they have the potential to be better recruiters in the core four era because, for one, they grew up in the social media era and in the big prime. This is like the golden mecca of AAU basketball, and they grew up in that and they you know built these friendships through AAU teams and EYBL circuits and all these different camps and stuff. And also, too, you see different stuff on social media. You know, you have. They're interacting with guys like Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young. Not that those are guys they're going to recruit, but shows that there is contact with star 
players and who knows, maybe down the line it can manifest into something if the Grizzlies can continue to build on this standard that they've set in year one. We're here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. You can follow the show on Twitter at GBB Live. You can follow our blog, uh, SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues, at SBN Grizzlies on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax, the site manager over at GBB. And you can follow my associate editor and co-host of this podcast, GBB Live, Parker Fleming at Paca underscore Flocka. So in my piece that I wrote this week, my feature, I talked about, like I said, building through the draft, building a culture like Denver and Miami did. And I also talked about the need, and you and I have discussed this a lot, Parker, the fact that they could be better next year, the Memphis Grizzlies could be, and still miss the playoffs. So they can't allow the short-term successes that they enjoyed this year because of the Golden State injuries, because of the strangeness of the season and the bubble. You know, this was a unique circumstance and a unique set of reasons that they were able to have the the run that they did. They need to keep the long view and they need to understand that whenever next season starts, you know, the rumor now is Martin Luther King Day. Uh, I saw that floating around. I think you might have shared it in the Slack. Um, you know, that's the 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 rumor of the day is that it'll be in mid to late January, which makes sense. Um, but to me, you look at this team and they need to be patient, right? It's a long-term process here. They're talking about sustained success and you can still have success next year without making the playoffs. And that sounds counterintuitive, but it it really is possible because the Grizzlies are going to be in a loaded Western conference. The Lakers are likely going to be better. Again, I mentioned Golden State being back. You know, the only two teams that in theory could drop out of the playoffs are the Thunder if they blow it up, which it seems like they're destined to do. Then you have the Rockets, who could be an underrated blow it up team contender with their uh, their crazy ownership and the uncertainty around Daryl Morey. If you take those two out and you put Golden State in, I mean, that that's one spot left. Do we really think Memphis is going to overtake it from the Pelicans or the Suns or the Kings or the, or the Spurs? I'm going to be honest with you, Parker. I would take the field uh, over the Grizzlies in that set of circumstances. Uh, So I talked about that as well, and I know that that's something that you're going to allude to in your kind of sister piece to mine. I know it's coming out, I believe, either Thursday or Friday. Uh, But you took my idea of the bubble takeaways, and you applied it to in a basketball perspective. So obviously there are skill sets that can be improved upon heading into next season and beyond. But, you know, just kind of give people a preview, kind of tying it in there with that, you know, success next season isn't necessarily making the postseason. It's areas of growth and ways the team can improve. And we saw evidence of that in the bubble. Yeah, for sure. And just as a a slight preview, I'm really talking about perimeter creation and how, how the team could improve on that as far as adding more pieces to this team and also what Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant need to do as well and all, while also highlighting what they do now is i mean let's be honest they're 21 years old and they're already extraordinary talents you can make a case that both players are already in the top 50 in the entire nba but some of the things that we saw on display primarily with the teams that made that final four is for one we had this you saw and who knows with the bubble that how legitimate it is because there's no fans. Obviously you don't have that road game playoff game. That's a terrifying atmosphere for a lot of young players, 
But also, too, I kind of look at it in a way where it's these guys had four months off. That's an entire offseason for them to improve on their games. And we saw that in sense of Tyler Hero, as we just talked about with Miami Heat. His emergence into a perimeter creator in the form of a pull-up shooter and a secondary playmaker kind of shows that you need more than just two, three guys that can create their own shots. I mean, for the Miami Heat, they had Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, Bam Adebayo, Kendrick Nunn, who came on late in the finals, uh, Duncan Robinson off uh, dribble handoffs and uh, moving without the ball. But also, too, Hero emerged as a secondary playmaker. He he was one of four players, uh, Butler, Dragic, and Adebayo, that averaged more than three and a half assists. That's huge for his development. And then also, too, the perimeter creation of Bam Adebayo and Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic. Because I know the ringers, Kevin O'Connor, he has been at the forefront of the conversation of bigs have to be able to do a lot. It's not a dying breed. They just got to be able to do a lot more than they were asked to before. It's straying away from the Jonas Valanciunas and the Enos Canners. And it's going more towards these guys here. So what does Jan Jackson Jr. need to do? And then we had the great first-round duel between Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell and how that battle was fueled by their ability to create off the perimeter and their pull-up shooting. And I'll highlight those two guys because that's who John Moran's going to have to face and get through for the Grizzlies to someday have a parade on Beale Street. So that that was really my highlight there. And like you said, with it's a, this is a long-term thing. that They need to be patient. When it comes to like their secondary playmaking, they don't need to go out and trade for a Vidola Depot or anything. We uh, we talked about that last week on Core 4. Granted, it'd be great if you got that out of the 40th pick, the mid-level exception, Grayson Allen, or hopefully returning DeAnthony Melton. But it's really going to come in your first-round draft capital starting in 2021 and beyond. Or if you build the, the capital to do so, a trade for a disgruntled wing that's ready to go win. So that that's really the essence of my piece and what I really saw out of the bubble. And I think that it pairs nicely with mine. So I, I like that it's tying in together there. Again, I, the perimeter creation piece, and, and I agree with you, the big man isn't dying, it's evolving. And I mm. think that, ironically, uh, a, a point or a focal piece of that evolution, you can go back to the early parts of this decade when players like uh, Joe Kim Noah and our own Marcus all were dominating as perimeter creators in terms of their passing at and around the elbow. Obviously it's not exactly the same. And Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, you know, maybe not Jokic as much, but especially Adebayo and Davis, the two that were in the finals, you know, those guys are far more athletic than Noah and especially Gasol ever were. But this notion that a big man needs to be a creator for himself and for others, and in the case of Mark, you know, primarily a creator for others, and especially Noah too, uh, that's not new. You know, that's something that's been around for a while in terms of having bigs that can be creative being a, a good aspect of your offensive sets. And Jokic is the best at it in the NBA right now. You're exactly right. But, you know, whether it's Jaron as a creator off the dribble, whether it's Brandon Clark getting better as a passer, there's lots of things the Memphis Grizzlies bigs have to do. And that process is going to take time. They're not going to get it done in a year. It has to come organically. And I think this Grizzlies organization understands that. Speaking of improving the team organically, 
When we come back from this break, uh, Parker and I are going to preview and discuss one of our favorite uh, annual traditions over at grizzlybearblues.com. It is community mock NBA draft time at GBB. We're going to talk about that next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinax, joined by my co-host, GBB associate editor and core four podcast co-host and all-around chill, vibing guy, Parker Fleming. Uh, Parker, we talked about in the first segment our kind of partner or uh, sister pieces uh, takeaways from the bubble, but the bubble's done. The, the season that never would end has finally come to its conclusion and we're looking into a future where we are not quite sure what the cap's going to be. We're not quite sure when next season's going to start. It's pretty unprecedented times. And, oh, by the way, the NBA draft is in a month. So GBB has resurrected its mock draft that we do where we get Twitter users. We get members of the local media. We get all sorts of different people involved and obviously multiple GBBers. It's a lot of fun. Our community mock NBA draft. Trades are flying left and right. They're getting rejected left and right. The judging panel, I think, somehow has gotten harder this year than in years past. Uh, I am running the Memphis Grizzlies because it pays to be the boss. I get to pick who I want to run, and I always run the Grizzlies. Parker, I believe you're running your beloved second favorite team uh, that you talked about a lot in the first segment, the Miami Heat. And one of the fascinating things about this draft when it comes to the Grizzlies is only having that number 40 pick. Uh, they don't have a first-round pick, obviously. That got shipped off to Boston in the in the trade that finally uh, is off the books for the Grizzlies. But we also have the acquisition of the second-round pick from the Phoenix Suns that the Grizzlies got uh, in the D'Anthony Melton trade where they said Javon Carter and Kyle Korver, which is kind of weird to say because obviously Korver never played. But I digress. Um, you know, Korver and Carter go to Phoenix, Josh Jackson and Melton, and two second-round picks come to the Grizzlies, and that one second rounder is the one pick at number 40 overall that Memphis has. Uh, I asked on our question of the day over at GBB Live on Twitter, should the Grizzlies try to get another pick in this draft or try to move up in this draft? Should they prioritize getting into the mix for the draft beyond number 40 overall? And the overall consensus, thanks to the over uh, 115 folks that voted, uh, was that this was a weak draft and that the Grizzlies should sit out. 72% of people chose that option over the idea that there is value getting another pick in this draft. So as I begin my process, because I've been running this mock draft, Parker, and you know I've had a couple of co conversations here and there about dealings that I could do, but I haven't gotten that in depth yet. So as I start to settle in and I look into my own negotiations, should I play it close to the chest and keep it about as realistic as possible? Because I think it's fair to bet that the Grizzlies aren't going to be too active this offseason. Uh, and, of course, they could come out and completely blow the thing to holy hell. But I don't necessarily see that happening. I think they feel that their major acquisition has already happened with Justice Winslow being here. They punted 2020 cap flexibility in exchange for getting a guy that they think can be a part of their core. We talked about perimeter creation in the first segment and, and justice Winslow, if he's healthy is a prime candidate to be able to do something like that. Uh, should I blow it up? Like I've done in other mocks and, and go get Tobias Harris or somebody of that ilk, or should I kind of do in the middle and instead of just sitting at number 40, maybe move up a couple of spots. If somebody falls that I like try to get into the first round at the end of the first round and, 
and take advantage of those four-year contracts that you get uh, on good money. If there's somebody that I really think could be a Brandon Clark-esque contributor right away for this team. If you were me and you were running the Grizzlies, how would you approach the insanity that is this community mock NBA draft? Uh, so I'm just having the same line of thinking as I think that they should do in the actual draft. And I actually voted yes. If if you can trade up, if you notice a guy falling, go trade up. Uh, some guys that I ped from mocks that came out this week were Cole Anthony, who the ringer had at 21, Tyrese Maxey, who was at 23, and it's uh, two guys off the athletic that were like that late first, early second, were Tyrell Terry and Josh Green. So with chaos, that always comes with the community mod draft. It won't even come chaotic with trades, but you'll have some surprising selections in the first round. So just wait and see who everyone else in the mock forgets about and try to trade up. That's exactly what I, I want. Th- I want them to buy another pick so that they can kind of stash one of those second rounders with the hustle for a year and kind of let them develop their game, whether it's as uh, perimeter creators or playmakers or defenders. Um, some guys that I, I really like. Uh, we've seen Nico Manian fall, and I think if you can stash him with the hustle for a year and then have him be a potential backup whenever Tyus Jones gets paid or whatever. I think that's good. Um, your your boy, Mason Jones, was select- my boy was selected at 52. Mason I Jones, stand up. Yeah, so I, I think you should definitely look to buy another pick in some capacity. Uh, I know the Grizzlies, I think they should have a pretty decent amount of second-round capital from trades. I want to trade a future first to move up in this draft, but if you can potentially swindle some team into uh, Kyle Anderson and a future second or two for a late first rounder, I think you should go for it. Spoiler alert. Hopefully nobody in our draft is listening to this, Parker, but one of my goals for this draft is to get off of that Kyle Anderson contract. Not because I don't like Kyle Anderson. I think he's a good basketball player, but like I've written about repeatedly, and I know you've pointed it out as well, and I'm getting a little bit fired up because just thinking of his name makes my blood boil. But Memphis Grizzlies' Jay Crowder played more than Kyle Anderson. I believe wholeheartedly that Kyle Anderson is a better basketball player than Jay Crowder. But you know what Jay Crowder's good at, Parker? Guess I know you know. Just just say it. Say what is good. What is Jay Crowder as a Memphis Grizzly good at? Shooting the basketball. He's really good at chucking random balls at the basketball hoop. That's what he is elite at. And doing it in a very poor manner. And it was extremely frustrating. And I'm happy for Jay that he made the NBA Finals. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Eastern Conference Championship. That's really a remarkable run. And he's probably going to get a nice contract with Miami for one year uh, before they go into 2021 free agency and all that fun stuff. But... Oh, I feel better after letting that out. So anyway, I don't think that Kyle Anderson, after that ranting and raving, my point is Anderson's not a part of Taylor Jenkins' system. He wasn't a Jenkins guy. He wasn't brought in by Jenkins. He wasn't signed by this front office. I don't think that Taylor Jenkins and Zach Kleiman value Kyle Anderson. So my goal 
is to get off of that contract, if at all possible. It's not like it's a bad contract. I think he's a good player on a fair value deal. But he just doesn't fit the scheme. He doesn't fit what they're going to be trying to do. So if I can find a way to get Anderson onto another team where I take on an expiring contract or something like that, and I give myself even more wiggle room for that 2021 sweepstakes, or if I want to you know, be a little bit more comfortable using the full mid-level exception plus uh, whatever abilities. I know the arenas provision has been thrown around by Anthony Sane and others. You know, There's ways that Memphis can keep DeAnthony Melton without getting rid of uh, the mid-level exception and getting into you know the tax apron and all those sorts of things that go along with the CBA. So I think that I can get off of that Anderson contract, and that's one of my goals here. And if it costs me number 40 overall, I don't necessarily hate it for the exact reason that you just said. I could take the 2024 second-round pick from Toronto, another future second, and get back into this draft pretty easily, I think. And that's going to be my rationale. I'm, I'm interested in getting off of the Anderson deal to make myself even more cap-fluid uh, and enable myself – to be a larger player in other moves down the road. It's kind of a moving a pawn to pick up a, a rook or a, a, a knight, so to speak, uh, trying to think two steps ahead. Yeah, I agree. I kind of have a, a similar mindset about cap flexibility and all that. For one, I'm trying to see what I can get out of Kendrick Nunn, who... I like him. He's a fine player. But in 2021, I have Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, and Kendrick Nunn all entering restricted free agency. Yeah, one of those things is not like the others. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be able to retain all three, so why not try to capitalize on Nunn's value, who he finished second in rookie of the year voting, much to the dismay of me, who thought Brandon Clark should have been number two, and also me thinking that he wasn't even the best rookie on his team. And I, I want to see if I can get another first-round pick out of that because at the end of the day, getting another first-round pick out of Kendrick Nunn would mean a cost-controlled role player for four years, which would be necessary if I'm going to chase Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, Miami's going to be capped out here pretty soon. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing if they get Giannis. I mean, again, they have Bam, they'd have Tyler Hero. You know, that's that's a pretty damn good basketball team if they're up against the cap and beyond it. Uh, but Jimmy you're Butler. exactly right. Yeah, obviously, Butler being the, the – I mean, if Jimmy Butler is your number two, you're a title contender for sure. Obviously, the Heat were a title contender with him being their number one. Uh, so you're, you're exactly right on that front. Um, I, I'm really interested to see how the mock plays out, Parker. You know, I do these as thought exercises and – it's fascinating to see. We obviously have our trade panel, uh, friends of the show, Evan Barnes and Mark Schindler, who have been on the show a couple of times. Both of them um, are, are participating in the panel. And then Grizzlies Twitter and NBA Twitter is the third judge. And they have been brutal so far, Parker. I think that mm-hmm. only one trade ha- has made it out of the gauntlet. Uh, and it's largely because of NBA Twitter and Grizzlies Twitter uh, rejecting deals. So, um, it'll be interesting to watch it play out. The draft officially begins on Friday uh, with Justin Lewis of GBB. He's controlling the Minnesota Timberwolves with the number one overall pick. I'll get you out of here on this, Parker. Who do you think Justin is going to take number one overall, assuming he stays at number one overall? Because I do. Uh, there have been some rumblings that he's trying to make some dealings to, to get out of that pick. 
But assuming he stays at number one, who do you think the Timberwolves are going to select with that pick? With Justin at the helm. And maybe if it's different to what you think the actual Timberwolves would do, perhaps an explanation is required. Ah, with Justin at the helm. Well, if he doesn't like inefficient gunners that like long twos like Dylan Brooks. <laughs> and he hates then, Dylan Brooks so much. <laughs> then he's not going to want to pick Anthony Edwards. Zero chance. No way he's taking Anthony Edwards. He doesn't strike me as a LaMelo Ball guy. No, and I agree. He doesn't like Memphis, the Tigers. Um, so I don't see him. And also, too, it's a clunky fit with Cat and Wiseman. Yeah, it's not a good fit. I agree. I could see him being really ballsy and take someone like Denny Advisia, number one, if he doesn't trade the pick. And I like that. I actually read something today where people think closer to the draft he'll get more top three consideration than he's getting right now. He's definitely a talented wing. And again, going back to what you talked about earlier about perimeter creation. Now, obviously, it was on a different level of basketball, but Luka Doncic is kind of blown out of the water, uh, the perception of that. And again, Luka's unique. He dominated at such a young age over in Europe. But, you know, Denny is a, a talented wing who can create, he can score, he can do a lot of different things uh, as a perimeter creator. So I do think that him becoming a hotter target as the draft approaches makes a ton of sense. I could see him doing exactly what you just said. I could see him trying to get a third star, although I don't know in this draft, because I do think there's good depth in spots. I don't think it's as trash of a draft as other people's have made it other people, excuse me, have made it out to be. But at the same time, when it comes to star power at the top, you know, and like you said, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, you know, it's not like you're drafting, you know, someone who's gonna be the next great all-star even or even or an all pro. Uh, player it's more likely they're going to be very good uh contributors eventually obviously you have people like obi Toppin. i think you have as how you say his name from dayton who were extremely good in college like brandon clark was can he kind of do what clark did and have that more similar form of impact this draft at the top is really interesting and it's one of the reasons i'm very glad that memphis was able to avoid uh the lottery this year and convey that pick to boston and, and now like you said, they have first-round capital, which very likely could be a lottery pick next year to uh, to be able to build this team and build around John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and company. Parker, thank you so much, buddy. As always, it's always great talking with you. I, I like having guests, but I also like when you and I get to chop it up and vibe uh, on the GVB Podcast Network. For sure, yeah. Thanks for having me on, per usual. Uh, y'all make sure to follow along with grizzlybearblues.com even if you disagree with a trade just approve it just to keep <laughs> some people happy i know some people aren't happy that one trade's been approved yeah and, you know, just like in real life there are smart gms and then there's not smart gms and same goes for a community mock draft i actually remember uh the past two years 929s uh connor dunning friend of the friend GBB of the show, pod. friend of Fr- GBB in general. Really. Yeah, friend of GBB in general. Um, in 2018, he got Luka Doncic for Jalen Brown in the Kings pick. And then last year, he turned Torney and Prince, the eight pick and the 10 pick, somehow into Brandon Ingram in the third pick, which ended yeah, up being that was favorite. impressive. 
So he he's like a little climbing out there. So <laughs> so yeah, make sure to approve some of these. So I kind of want to see like the aftermath and what happens and shakes out with this community mod draft after those. It's going to be fun. And to bring us full circle back to talking about the bubble ending, I believe Connor is running the NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers. So yeah. uh, it's it's going to be a fun time. Stick with GBB over at SBN Grizzlies is where you can follow all of the mock draft action. And of course, when the draft concludes, we'll have a full wrap up, lots of different hashtag content pieces about the mock draft over at grizzlybearblues.com. For Parker Fleming, I'm Joe Monix. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing over on, over on Spotify, over on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart. However you subscribe to podcasts, make sure you're hitting up the GBB Podcast Network and never miss an episode of the Starting 5 GBB Live uh, 3&D, uh, Justin Lewis's podcast, or, of course, Nate and Parker's The Core 4. Nate Chester and Parker Fleming's The Core 4. So, again, for Parker, I'm Joe. Thank you guys so much. As always, grind forth, Grizz Nation. Until next time, this is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.